Thank you for tuning into the New Vision Podcast. Our prayer is that this talk builds your faith, brings clarity, and gives you hope. Enjoy the message. Have you guys seen the, uh, the videos that have been put on YouTube of people getting their wisdom teeth pulled out? Have you seen, have you seen the After Effect videos of people still being under the influence of the anesthesia? Some of the funniest videos you will ever find. I, I watched one, um, and they, they convinced this girl that there was a zombie attack. While she was probably 16, 17, her whole family is in on it. They're in this big SUV, and so they're making plans of, like, what they need to do. They need to go to the hardware store. They need to go to the gun store. And they had other people in places set up to work on this prank. And she would doze in and out, and when she would come back, and they'd start screaming and freaking out, and she'd start screaming and freaking out, some of the funniest stuff. So in your free time, just uh, look look into that (laughs) and enjoy. Enjoy. But... um, a couple years ago, a friend of ours got his wisdom teeth pulled out, and Mel and I prepared a, a care package for them, and we dropped it at their house. And a little bit later that night, his wife sent us a video um, of him going through the care package. It was classic. It was, it was so great. We, he was going through each individual piece, and he was so excited. He had no clue what this stuff was for. There were frozen peas, and there were movies for him to watch, and different things like that. And he was so excited. Everything was like the best gift he's ever gotten. And at the very end, he kept telling his wife, he's like, oh, we have the best friends. We, we have the best friends. Like, this was one of the worst days that's turned into the best day. And she stopped for a minute. She said, wait, 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 this is the best day of your life? And he said, well, it's pretty close. It's pretty, it's pretty up there. Like this was one of the worst days that had been one of the best days. And she's like, well, what about me? And this was one of the best days that started out as one of the worst days. And then at the very end of the video, my favorite part, he's looking at the camera and the wife says, okay, now what do you say? And he looks smack into the camera Thank you. And then he busts out in this huge laugh. It was so, it was so great. And I, I don't know if you've experienced that with your kids where they've been given something. And at the very end of it, like they're looking at whatever it is. Sometimes it's a good thing. Sometimes it's a bad thing because people give you weird stuff. And grandparents and aunts and uncles give you the strangest clothing to wear. And sometimes your kids are like, but we nudge them, right? We give them that elbow and we say, now what do you say? We're encouraging them to be thankful because as parents, we don't want to be those parents that have those kind of kids that are spoiled or, or, or rotten or entitled or they're not thankful for anything or you have to give them a certain quality of thing to get them to really be excited. I wanted the name brand, mom. Why didn't you get me the name? We don't want those kids, so we'll nudge them. We'll help them to be thankful every now and then. And, and as we get older, like we want, we want to be thankful people. We try to be thankful people. We try to do things to help other people join in on our thankfulness. Have you ever opened the door for someone and kind of leaned in a little bit, waiting for what? Waiting, waiting for the thank you. And I don't know if you're, you're like me. Every now and then when the people don't give you the thank you, you're like, I didn't have to open the door for you, right? Or you, I know no one would do this. No one would kind of lean in and just already say you're welcome just in case they forgot that they were supposed to say thank you. None of us would do that. We we love Jesus way too much to do that. 
Or, or on the highway, like, you let people in, and what's the deal? Like, people don't wave anymore to say thank you. That frustrates me where you let them in. It's a traffic jam, and you're like, yeah, yeah, go ahead, come in right here. And they just pull in. They don't give you the wave like that to say thank you. And I want to honk at them and wave at them to help them be thankful. You know, luckily, some, some of us guys, our, our wives help us be thankful. They help us. They remind us when we're supposed to be a little bit more polite than normal. And, and as, we, as we get older, some of you have experienced this with your grandkids and even your kids as you grow up. Like, you want to give them gifts so that they can be thankful, not so that they can feel spoiled. And you want to help them to do that. You, you want their hearts to be such that any gift that they give or that they receive, that they're excited about that. But here's the thing is, as we jump into this new series, like, thankfulness isn't just about how we act when we get gifts. Thankfulness is more about my heart than anything else. You see, the, the ability for me to be thankful or grateful or, or have an attitude of, of bitterness and, and ungratitude or ungratefulness, that all resides deep down in my heart. And when we talk about being thankful, normally it is just during the month of November. Some of you are posting on Facebook each day of one thing that you're thankful for, but at no other time during the year. Not that you're not thankful, but it seems like we, we spend a lot of time during this particular month, during this particular day, because it's Thanksgiving. And as cheesy as it sounds, it's not just Thanksgiving. This morning I want to talk to you about Thanksgiving. Like it's what we do day in, day out. I know that that's cheese, but it's the truth. It's how I live each and every day. It's not about what I do with the gifts in life. It's what I do with the gift of life that shows whether or not I'm thankful. My message for you this morning is simply entitled, Now What Do You Say? Now What Do You Say? Let's pray together. God, we thank you for the times that we get to spend around your word together. And I pray that, Lord, as we do this this morning, that your spirit, your word would do what it's supposed to do. And that's challenge our hearts, that it will cultivate the ground. It will break up the hardness that we have. Lord, it would challenge us to be who you've created us to be, that God, ultimately, we would leave here different than when we came in. Lord, we ask that you would also protect Patrick Mahomes today as they defeat the Tennessee Titans. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, hold on. Now, now you're going to make me upset. Don't, don't clap more because we prayed about Patrick Mahomes than any other time that we pray during service. Oh. This morning, I want to take a look at a story that I, I believe if we allow God's word to do exactly what it can do, that it, it will get in and it will challenge us and it will cultivate the ground of our heart so that being thankful is a quicker response than normal that I'm not just waiting for the moments to say thank you, that my life is, is living in a response to what God is doing, that I can be thankful regardless of the gifts that I'm giving. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn it to Luke chapter 17. That's where our story is going to be. And as you're turning there, let me just kind of set you up to where we're going to look this morning. Right before the story that we're going to go over this morning, Jesus is talking about how much faith it takes to move mountains. And he says things like, if you want to move this mountain, as long as your faith is the size of a mountain, you can move the mountain wherever you want it to go. Is that the, it's not the, it's not a mountain. How, how, how much faith is it? Right. 
It's the size of a mustard seed. He's talking about, it's not these huge amounts of faith that we need to see great things from God. It's actually a small amount of faith that we need. And here's the thing. I don't think it's coincidence that he's talking about us exercising faith, having just a little bit to see God do incredible things before we get to this story. I don't think it's coincidence at all. Verse 11 is where we're going to pick up in chapter 17. It said, Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem. He reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. And as he entered a village there, 10 men with leprosy stood at a distance crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. 10 lepers. Now, we don't see lepers a lot in our day now. In Jesus' day, it was a very common thing that most skin diseases, if they couldn't figure out what it was, you got termed a leper. It handled a wide variety of skin diseases. But more often than not, leprosy was this disease that began to show up as, as a pale pink or a white spot on your skin, and then it developed into a sore. And it, the skin began to just die off of your body and fall off and it was very contagious and if you touch other people or if you were around other people they could get it as well these sores these wounds would take place all over your body it would affect your eyesight at times if it got into your nerves your eyes could go blind you couldn't see anymore and and as it got into your hands if it dug deep down into your nerves there could be portions of your body that would fall off and you would never even feel it because it was ravaging not just the outside, but the inside of your body. And when you were found to have leprosy, they didn't just remove you from your home. They didn't just tell you you couldn't live at home with your family. They put you out of the town. It didn't matter who you were. It didn't matter what family you came from. If you were a leper, they walked you outside the town. They probably just pushed you out the town gates. You didn't get to stay right here. And then here's the thing. You couldn't even stay just right outside of the town. You had to be far away from everybody else. No more physical contact. doesn't matter how close your family was. There was no more hugging your wife kissing your little girl, picking them up, playing with your kids. There was no more physical contact. There was no more family contact for you. When you were a leper, you were completely separate from everybody else. The only people that you got to be around were people that were diseased like you. That was the community that you got to live in anymore. No more communities of love and care and being next to the people that you love, but a community of people that were all outcasts and all outsiders. And to take it a step further, if anyone got close to you, you had to let them know that you were unclean. If they started moving your way, you had to begin to shout at the top of your lungs that you were unclean so that they just didn't happen to come near you and mess up their life too. And a lot of times what happened when they would declare that they were unclean, people would begin to pick up rocks. And to make sure you were at a good distance, they would chuck rocks at the lepers to drive them even further back. They didn't want to be near people that had leprosy. And it goes even further than that. They weren't just cut off from other people, but they were cut off from God. You see, because they were unclean, they could no longer go to the temple to worship. They could no longer go and offer sacrifices. They could no longer go to where the presence of God was. They lost their family. They lost their friends. They lost physical contact, and then they lost spiritual contact. 
They were completely on the outside. There was no forgiveness, no sacrifice, no relationships. And these guys quickly learned that their life and their existence was meaningless to other people. I mean, they weren't even a charity case where they could beg. A few weeks ago, we talked about the layman that begged Peter and John for something to give them. These guys couldn't even do that. They weren't the people that others wanted to give to and help out. They were the people that others wanted to stay away from and not get close to. They weren't even a charity case. They were a lost cause of forgotten people, outsiders and outcasts, people that were avoided at all costs. But this morning, I feel like we can learn some lessons from a leper. And that's what I'm going to give you this morning. There are just a few different lessons from a leper. You see, because these guys lived a life of distance. They were distanced from other people. Distance in life, separating them. Distance from hope. There was no hope to be found in their areas, in their community. But they took a chance from a distance. In the few verses that we see, as Jesus entered the town, they stood at a distance. They took a chance from a distance, and they cried out to Jesus. Now, in this, in this version of the Gospels, in Luke's Gospel, we hear that Jesus, in chapter 5, had already healed a leper. And what we know about when Jesus begins to do things, it doesn't just stay in one place. He would oftentimes tell people, hey, don't... Don't let people know what I did. Just This is for you. And what did they do? They told everybody. And his, his name grew. And the miracles that he did became famous. And they spread all over the place. So it wasn't out of the ordinary for these guys to have already heard about Jesus. And from a distance, they decided to take a chance on a guy that they heard did something for someone who was just like them. Maybe he could do it for them. Maybe if we yell from a distance, he'll hear us. The first lesson that we need to learn from these guys is this, that he's closer than you think. He's closer than you think. From a distance, they shouted, they hoped that he would have mercy. And I love that the next portion shows Jesus closing that distance, that when we ask for his attention, that when we reach out to him, that when we ask for him to come and meet our need, he's not running from us, he runs to us, that he's closer than you think. See, they hoped that he would be okay maybe back there, but the minute that he got their attention, he began to close the distance because he's closer than you think. You may feel like life has kept you from Jesus, but I promise you when you begin to cry out even from a distance, he's closer than you think. You see, nothing in these guys' life taught them that Jesus would come close to them. They're used to this space. They're used to people being far away and not coming close, but that didn't keep Jesus from being in their area. Don't miss this. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. He was on the border of Galilee and Samaria. He had no business being where he was, except he had business to be where he was. There were people there that needed him. Let's not miss the fact that he was closer than, than they expected because he chose to be closer than they expected. That even though he was at a distance, he chose to put himself in that spot because there were people there that needed him. You see, when we, when we read the Gospels, there were areas of town that people stayed away from. If there were diseased people there, if there were unclean people there, they stayed away. But you know what Jesus did to those parts? That's the place that he went to. 
Those are the people that he came for. And he shows us again that when he should have avoided the area, he showed up right in the middle of it because he wants to be right here. He wants to be closer than you think. You see, today you may feel like the choices that you made, that the life that you're living, that the stuff that's in your past make you on the outside with God, put distance between you and him, and they make you oftentimes you feel like God doesn't want anything to do with you. But you're still desirable to him. You're still desirable to him. He's closer than you think, not because he has to be, but because he wants to be. He could have picked any other route that day, but he picked this route to remind these guys and to remind us that he's closer than we think, that he wants to be near us. Allow that to sink into your heart for a moment. The God that we serve is not this up in the sky, far away, big guy that we can't get to because he's so far away that he's right here. I can be thankful that his presence is right here. He's not far away. He's right here. He's not standing so far away, but he's right in the middle of the mess of my life, not because he has to be, but because he wants to be. And before he offered healing, he gave his attention to remind us all that we're seen, that he cares for us, and that he's closer than we think. Let's see what happens next. In verse 14, it says this. He looked at them and said, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. I love Luke's gospel. You know, we spent some time in Acts a couple of weeks ago, and and now we're looking at the same author who wrote Luke and Acts. And I love in this moment right here, Jesus points out, it's the outsider that came back. That what I have is for everyone. It's not just for one particular person or one particular people group. It's for everyone. Look who came back. It was this outsider once again showing us that the gospel, that Jesus, that access to him is for all of us. Man, I love Luke's gospel. The second lesson that we need to learn is as we figure out and we're reminded that he's closer than we think, the next thing we need to begin to learn from these guys is to change our direction change our direction. Could we be missing out on something that God wants to do simply because it's not convenient to stop my day and allow my heart to really let it soak in what God just did? Could it be that that I'm missing out on something that God wants to do because my schedule is more important than the Savior? That where I'm at, what I'm doing, the busyness of all that I'm doing is not allowing me to just pause and turn my heart and open it up to be thankful, to be grateful for what he's doing. Some of us struggle with the fact of of coming back and telling God thank you when we see what he's done. There were 10 of them walking along and along the way they're healed. 
Some of us, this is where we end up. We're so excited about what's going on. We're so excited about what God just did that we forget who did it. That we've been praying for so long, hoping for so long for something to change, that when it happens, man, I'm so excited that it happened that I forget to stop in the moment and think who's responsible for what just happened. It happens with my kids all the time. Every birthday, every Christmas, they'll begin to open up their gifts. And they get to one that they've wanted their whole life. I remember when Alexa would tell me that, Dad, I wanted this my whole life. I'm like, you're seven. You don't really have much life to like, put that on. But there were moments when they would tell me, oh, this is the perfect thing. And now Jordan, when if he opens something that he really, really, really wants, his next question is, can I open it? Can I, Dad, can I open it? And, and, play, and if it's a birthday, I have to walk up and gently nudge him and be like, maybe in a minute. But I always lean into him. Now, what do you say? Oh, th thank you. Who, who gave me the gift? He doesn't even know who gave him the gift in the moment because he's only concerned with the newness of the gift that he's received. And sometimes we're, we're missing out on God because we're moving so fast that when he does something, we're so excited about the gift that we forget that there was a giver who gave us the gift. That I can't, can we just for a moment maybe put the brakes on could we be settling just for what God gave us and not a more intimate relationship with who gave us the gift? I believe this, that the leper's willingness to change his direction, to come back to Jesus and give thanks, ended up changing his heart, not just his body. It ended up doing more than, than what it was. So this morning, can I tell you, don't settle for healing when Jesus wants to make you whole. Don't settle for just a gift when he wants to give you more of the giver because chances are, chances are there is more. The next lesson we need to learn is that there is more. Oftentimes, our expectations dictate our experiences. Let, let me show you this. In, in this morning when you woke up, some of us woke up and were like, oh, this church. All right, I'm going to go. God, I know I'm supposed to go. It's going to be coffee there. I like the donuts. I'm glad that they're free. If I had to pay, I wouldn't eat them. Oh, I'll just go. I'll be there. Worship is going to be worship. I hope it's good. I hope they sing my favorite song today. And Pastor Kevin's going to talk. He's probably going to yell every now and then. Hope he's funny. He's a lot funnier than Mel. <laughs> you know, I just hope for an all right day. Nine times out of ten, when you go home, you're going to have an all right day. Because your expectation was set at a level that that was the experience that you were going to get. But oftentimes, chances are there's more. There's more that God wants to do than for you to just show up each day in your life and just punch in and punch out. That maybe it's not about the power and the presence of God. Well, God, I just need you to show up and fall down and let's have revival. No, no, no. Maybe the same power and presence is still in the room, but my expectations have gotten so low that I'm not seeing it anymore. 
that I'm just taking a portion of what God wants to give and saying, well, I guess like that's enough. But no, no, no. When I begin to raise my expectation level of what God can do and maybe that there is more, if I begin to take the lessons from this leper and think maybe God has more than just an average ordinary experience with God today, that maybe not just giving me healing, maybe making wholeness of my life is what he wants to do, then things can change for me. Then I can go back. Then I can pause and change direction. Then I can see exactly what God wants for me. Chances are there's more. Being thankful opens the door for God to do work in me, not just for me. I want you to hear that this morning. God wants to do something in us, not just for us. But my ability to stop and change direction and believe that there can be more might be what's hinging on me getting that. Look at the story. Ten men had their bodies restored, but only one had their heart restored. Ten men were so excited. Maybe that's what it was. I don't know why they went back. I think maybe they were just so excited to go back to their family that they didn't think about anything else. Maybe they thought about just running to the priest and showing themselves so that they can be cleared to go back home. But one of them thought, oh, I'm not just going to go to the priest. I'm going to go to my great high priest who stood in the gap for me, who made a way for me, who healed me in this moment. Maybe there's more if I just go back. Nine guys got only part of what Jesus wanted to do for them. But see, as we look at this story, it wasn't just the direction that changed for the leper. It was also his posture. And the last lesson I think that we need to learn is that we need to begin to check our posture. Are we spending the same amount of passion the same amount of desperation? Are we spending the same amount of time praying for what God is going to do for us as we do in praising him when it shows up? What did the man do? He ran back to Jesus. He fell at Jesus' feet and he said, praise God. This is, this is where the miracle happened. He didn't just shout at the beginning, have mercy on me. He came back and he fell at Jesus' feet with the same passion, with the same determination to get to Jesus. But how often is it that we are so quick and loud when we pray, but we whisper our thank yous? That we're jumping up and down, but when it's time to celebrate, we just say, thanks, God, for what you did. But in the moment when my heart was aching, when I needed God to show up in the middle of my road, in the middle of my circumstance, and I was begging him to show up, I wasn't whispering that. Was jumping and trying to get his attention. Can we check our posture that when God begins to do things for us, can we be bold enough to praise him just like we were bold enough in our prayer for him? Can we begin to move and look at what God is doing? Can we begin to frame it this way? Is God my genie or is he my Lord? Can I check my posture? Did I just get something that I've been praying for and think, well, yeah, God, I deserve that. I've been praying long enough. Thanks. But you could have did that earlier. Or we tell people how good God is for us and what he's done for us, not out of a heart of thankfulness, but out of a heart of pride because I'm God's favorite. Look at what God can do for me. We need to check our posture. Are we treating God like he is a genie? Are we treating him like he is our Lord? Are we expecting him? Do we feel entitled to the good things that God has for us? Do we feel entitled for a life that doesn't have any rough patches in it, that this is the, the Christianity that we signed up for, this is the God that we signed up for, the God that only gives us good things? 
What's your posture like? Are you too proud to run to Jesus' feet and take a knee and say, I don't know what I would have done if you didn't come. I don't know what I would have done if you wouldn't have walked into my area today. I don't know what I would have done without you. For some of us, this right here, we can't get to this point. There's a part of who we are that has made us feel like we do everything on our own, that we don't give people thanks, let alone God, I can make it on my own. Check your posture this morning. See, when we begin to put all of these lessons together, that we see these, this leper experience in his moments with God, we see God does more than just change the moment for him, but he changes everything. He changes his life. He gets a relationship. He gets his heart restored. And that's where I believe that thankfulness comes from. That it comes from this relationship with God. It comes from my heart being open to who God is, not just in what he's doing for me, but in what he wants to do in me. And my relationship with him can grow and it can change because I'm thankful that I have this with him. Man, over the years... I've gotten a lot of gifts, birthdays, Christmas. I used to get gifts for grade cards. Then I started getting good grades, and those gifts started going away. But, man, a lot of the gifts that I got were from my parents. And, man, I remember one year my dad gave me toys that I already had. I was so jacked up. I was so excited as I'm opening these gifts, and he is laughing hysterically, and I just look like, this ain't funny. I thought I was getting a remote control car. You get the same one you had downstairs. One of the best gifts I ever received from my dad was when Mel and I bought our first house. And we would, we'd just gotten married. We found a house that we wanted. We worked out all the numbers. You look at your budget, and you try to figure out what you can afford, and and the house ended up being a little bit more than, than what we were hoping for. And I remember sitting out in front of the house, and it was just me and my dad in the car. And, and he said, son, I have something for you. I said, all right, Dan. He said, I, I just want to give you a little bit of money. Because I know that, that the house is, is kind of pushing your budget. And I know the, the stress that that can cause. And if I can help with that, I would love to do that. You see, son, what, what you don't know is when we moved from Northeast out to Lee Summit, I don't know how we were able to do that. You see, I, I remember going and looking at the house that, that we moved to when I was in the fourth grade. And I also remember that we looked at one house down the street and my mom found a house like three houses up that she just had to have. And I remember watching my dad's face like, no, this is more than that. We came for this one, not that one but we ended up in that one. It's just where I called home. My dad began to share with me in that moment the stress that he experienced. He said, son, you had no idea. I had no money. He said, we barely got into the house. We had no money every month when we made that payment on the house. We had absolutely nothing. He said, I don't want you to go through that. I don't want you to experience that. Here, take this. This will help. And for a while, man, I thought that was the greatest gift that my dad gave me. But it wasn't the greatest gift. 
the greatest gift that I ever received from my dad was the time that we got to spend together. The talks that we had about life, the ways that it grew my heart, the ways that it changed my heart, the way that it helped me become a man and become the man that God hoped that I would be. The point was never the gifts that he gave me, but it was the time that he gave me. And the point is, is never what God does for us. You see, those things are great. But oftentimes the things that he's doing for us is only paving the way for the things that he truly wants to do in us. And that's when the good stuff happens. That's when the great things really happen. That's when life truly begins to happen. As I spend time with him, as I'm letting him control or talk to me and say what things I need to move around in my heart and in my life, as I experience life with him and my heart begins to change, that's when the good stuff happens. I want us to be a community that experiences all of what God wants to do, not just for us, but in us. He's closer than we think. And if we change our direction, we may just find out that chances are there's more. And as we continue to check our posture, we'll see that the blessings aren't just the gifts in life, but the gift of life. That the time I get to spend with my Father, the time I get to spend with the giver of all that is good and perfect, Will you close your eyes with me this morning? Maybe today you feel like you're on the outside, that there's distance between you and God, that there have been choices that you've made that have put you so far on the outside that hope is at a distance. But it doesn't have to be that way. Jesus is here, and he's closer than you think, and he wants to close the distance this morning. If you're here today and you need Jesus to fill in that space, to come close to you, to restore your heart, just raise your hand. I want to pray with you. I want to be a part of your day, your moment that can change everything. Say, man, pastor, that's me. I need more of Jesus. I need him to fix my heart. As we end our service today, if that's you and you raised your hand or you felt like you should have, I want you to meet with me back in the sound booth when we get done. I just want to pray with you. I want to help you take those next couple of steps. For the rest of us, as, as we get into our response time, as the worship team is going to sing, maybe this is the opportunity that God has been hoping for where our hearts are open, where we need to just go back and thank him where we need to change our direction and stop the, the direction, the business that we've been heading in and pause for a moment because chances are he has more for us today. Maybe he just wants more time. It's not about the things that he's doing for you. It's about the thing he wants to do in you. So will you allow these next few moments for God to do something incredible? Our prayer is that this message impacted you. We would love to hear your story and have you partner with us financially as we work to spread the life-changing story of Jesus. 
You can do this at newvisiongrandview.com.